Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I'm talking with visual artist, curator, and community leader, Adrian Dominic. Adrian also happens to be our systems administrator here at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Adrian, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Leslie. Super cool to get to to talk with one of my colleagues about their art and just, you know, hear how it all started. So let's go with that. Let's go with where it all started. Where'd you grow up? I actually grew up right here in Jackson, in this very area, downtown Jackson, hmm. really close to Ferris Street. That's okay. where my um, family, family house is, you know, um, that's where I grew up. So what schools did you go to growing up? I went to a school in South Jackson, uh, Lester Elementary. And then I went to Whitten Middle School. That was in South Jackson as well. And I graduated high school at Jim Hill. So in those early days, was art always in the picture? Yes, it it was for me, I'll say. Um, Not so much for people around me. I didn't see artists making a living Mm -hmm. or anything like that. I just know that I wanted to do it. I was just always creative, like uh, just drawing, trying to make stuff. You know, I was always curious of that. Um, my mom always said that it wasn't a job, mm. so to find some real goals and real dreams. So it was never something that I really thought to pursue um, till later on in life. Did you, did the drawing, the like desire and the, the need to do that, did it come from, from school? Did you have art classes or was it just like, just a thing you just did? Both, both. Like I took art classes um, in school and, and, and they really inspired me, mm. you know, like pushed creativity out of me. Um, but it was also something that I just did. I can think far back, maybe third or fourth grade, mm. me and my best friend at the time, we would draw our shoes. Something as simple <laughs> as that, like taking them off, putting them on a desk and drawing, drawing a profile of this shoe. I did it so much that I drew everybody's shoe in the classroom. <laughs> And I knew then that I liked drawing and stuff. You know, it was never about accolades or anything because yeah. no one was, like, really cheering for me or mm. clapping for me. It was just something that I liked to do. I still didn't know at the time that it was something that I would, like, do full-time mm. or even pursuing that matter. But it was just something that I always did in my free time mm. if I wasn't, like, you know, outside playing sports or anything like that. I just really wish that we could have a gallery wall of all the shoes from your classroom. I do, too. I got some. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's really crazy, like, thinking back how I was a little artist mm. but didn't know I was an artist. Did you did you give them, the like, the people, if it was their shoe, did they get the drawing? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I gave it to them if they wanted it, but I collected it, collected them. Um, they're in that, that old paper with the lines and stuff yeah. on it. Like oh, I have, yeah. I still have some, um, like, in my mom's. Uh, but it's crazy. I didn't think of it as art or anything. I just knew that. I wanted to do it, and I feel like in uh, middle school, 
is when like I feel like my mom first asked like what do you want to be when you grow up or something like that it's like I want to do art mm-hmm. or or something related to music or something I just know that those two things always kept my interest mm-hmm. like I gravitated towards music and art but never I, I never saw it like for me I didn't I just loved it did you ever play or sing or do anything musical no not really like choir or something as kids but no that's it I just really loved music like all genres like at a very young age Mm. um I was always engaged in music uh going to concerts really early I started really early okay Um, first concert first concert I would say like the first big concert to me (laughs) was the millennium tour it was like Mm. a b2k um like the the boy groups and stuff at the time (laughs) came down here also was mixed with uh cash money i really love cash money um the the record label in new orleans and i i remember when i went to that concert i was like i love live music i love concerts Mm. i just love the feeling the lights everything about it um music and art has always played a big role to into who i am but i always thought that i was just a lover of those things Mm. not the doer did you have a teacher who really encouraged you with your art ever I had one teacher in high school that encouraged me some, like uh, as far as like any of the type of uh, local competitions or Mm -hmm. school competitions, she would encourage me to submit and stuff. And I did. Um, And that was cool. But it it didn't go outside of that. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't like take more art classes or advanced or anything. But, you know, within her class, she did encourage me out of all people like you should, you know you really like this, you su- should submit. And I submitted to the local competitions and stuff, and it was fun. But, yeah, I still didn't feel like it was, like, nurtured. It was always just something that I did in free time. Did you follow that path to college? I studied sports. Sports. Um, I played basketball and soccer in high school and just throughout life playing all kind of sports. Um, and when I got to college, I just wanted to, you know, I thought that I wanted to be a coach, more of, teaching sports and managing sports Mm. is what I kind of realized that I was into. I started into like coaching and then before I left it was more about like managing a Mm. sports organization or you know uh, something like that. So where did you go to school? I went to Southern Miss. To Southern. Did you take any art classes there or did you put it on the back burner for a while? I put it on the back. Mm. I put it on the back all the way in college. I probably drew a couple things like over the summer but like college was just it was a lot you know um it was a lot of work and you know at that time I was just trying to get to know myself you know I wasn't thinking about like art or anything like that um it wasn't until I graduated that I was like I want to do something for me let me you know I went and bought a paint kit and um just testing out ideas that I've always wanted to do um and that's kind of how I got started you know like just being done with school and being like let me do something that I want to do still not even thinking like hey you can make a living off off of it It, it, that wasn't even in in my brain it was just like I have time now let's just do some things that you want to do and see how it goes So it was just like for fun. Yes, totally for fun. So when did the shift happen from this is fun to like I can do this as, you know, a living? You know, after college, I moved to D.C. um, for a job that did not work out. Mm. And I had to come back home. 
Um, and I was dreading it. You know, I just had like a love-hate relationship with Mississippi, feeling mm. like I don't belong or like where do I fit in this place? With it not working out and coming back home just gave me a greater love for for Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I just started painting. I started creating, you know, things that I liked. And um, it was just for for myself. Like, I I had a studio Mm because I was practicing photography at the time. Oh, okay. I actually started out with photography. Bought a camera out of school. uh, I would do weddings, just anything I could do to, you know, learn photography, which is how I kind of got to my style, which is like this dark, playing with dark and lighting. Um, It's kind of how I, you know, found my style, my voice in art. Um, and creating just subjects that mean stuff to me, I found that it means something to other people, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine, DJ Young Venom, reached out to me when he was opening up a store and was like, you got all these paintings, you should put them up in the store, do something with them. And I was like, no, I don't think I want to do that. I'm not ready for, like, everybody to see this, you know. This is just me doing what I do, you know, not even thinking that it will resonate with people. Yeah. At all. And he opened his store and I filled it up with all my art and it, I sold all of it. Oh my goodness. And at that point I was like, maybe I need to see where this goes, hmm. you know. Like at that at that moment is when I got serious about it and I started <laughs> doing exhibits around town, being a part of any group show I could be a part of. Like I just really went into overdrive. Like, you know, let's just see because I was creating so much. I was probably creating anywhere from like 100 to 150 pieces a year at some point like i was creating a lot at that time so i just had work to show it was a huge success for me i didn't know if i wanted to stick with that style or whatever i wasn't sure i just know that i wanted to get across a feeling with my art that's how i started really how long ago was that it was 10 years ago put your art up and people just buy it all that's like the dream that's amazing (laughs) I didn't know what to think. It's like, wow. I, I didn't, I, like I said, the subjects and everything that I'm creating, I'm not, I'm not thinking that anyone would want, like, want my art in their house, you know? Mm-hmm. At that time, I didn't even see myself as an artist, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, what makes you an artist? Like, if you're doing it full-time or if you're selling it, all kind of things were in my mind telling me that I'm not an artist yet. So I was downplaying myself a lot. But thank to my collectives and people who you know really love my art like really gave me the confidence to keep going I think it's hard to call yourself an artist like I feel like everybody struggles with that I know I mean I have like it's like you feel like you have to earn it yes yes and I I feel like once people start calling me an artist then that's when I started to accept it Mm. it's like I let the people decide which isn't fair but that's how I felt at the time Mm. you know because I'm I'm not I'm not a trained artist um I like to say that I'm God taught oh Um, I love that I, I never went to art school. Um, it's just what I've seen and what I like. And mm. throughout time, I've studied on my own account mm. plenty of books. I study all kind of artists to just understand processes and how stuff works. But, you know, I think that I'm lucky to just be able to do something that I love to do. Yeah. And people are genuinely drawn to it. I think it makes it easier to create. I'm not just creating what I think people want to see. Mm. It's what I want to do, you know, mm-hmm. and that is what allows me to be able to keep doing it. 
once I'm doing it for other people, it takes the love out of it for me. What were those first paintings in your friend's store? What were the, who or what were the subjects of those early ones? So there were very large pieces, like four by four. Um, Erica Badu was one, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Janelle Monet. Very large portraits of these people with distinctive features, like the you know staring or looking away, yeah. and that was a, that's like always been my challenge to really get the expression across. And like I said, people was gravitating towards it, and it let me knew then like you got something you should keep. That's cool. Trying to tap into that. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Jackson-based visual artist, Adrian Dominic. So I do want to mention this real fast. We, You've probably seen Adrian's work. If you live in Jackson, you may have seen it around town. Adrian, where are some of the places that your, your paintings have been? I see. I have some work at Offbeat. Um, I have some work at Urban Foxes, The Flamingo. Um, I have a mural downtown on Farish. There are pieces there, a lot of places that I'm not even aware of. Um, so Just that people bought and you didn't know yes, where they ended yeah. up? So there are a couple of Airbnbs around town and different businesses. You know, I'm definitely grateful for those people. It's It's so cool. Thank you. Because <laughs> I know, like, I'm, I had seen your art before I knew who you were like I'd seen the Nina Simone piece okay and I was like what that is so cool something we we talked a little bit about before but I really want to dive into is you do portraits of people and a lot of time they're musicians but then there might be James Baldwin or you know any array of people how do you decide like what makes you go I have to paint that person um there's a, a few different factors that go into when I paint someone. I would say I started out just wanting to paint our black icons. Mm. I felt that if I painted them, they wouldn't die. Mm. And that that's what, what like, that was my first feeling about painting, uh, you know, I like black icons, like people who mean um, something to, to black culture. And so, you know, like I said, I I love music. So a lot of them are musicians, but I also love books. I love artists. I love, you know, 
I love a lot of things. <laughs> um, but like I said, mainly I gravitated, I gravitate towards people who I don't want to be forgotten. Do you have anybody on your list that you haven't painted yet that you're dying to paint? I have someone I'm dying to paint, and I'm painting it now. Oh, okay. Do you want to keep it a secret, or do you want to tell us who it is? Well, it's it's Louis Armstrong and his uh. wife um, at the pyramids. Um, I just think that it's just like a, a real romantic mm. photo um, that I love, and um, I'm finally attempting it. I want to put my spin on it. Um, but it's to me, it's like a manifestation of love. Mm. Um you know, place I want to be. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a, a person that I've been dying to um, paint and just his jaws when he's playing this, the trumpet. Um, so, yeah. Have you, do you often paint more than one person in a photo or, I mean, in a portrait or is it usually just one? It's usually one. Every now and then is a subject of more than one. But, yeah, I, I prefer one subject in a painting. Tell us about the mural on Ferris Street. Okay, the, the mural is called Mama's Rose Kitchen. I'm paying homage to my late great-grandmother, Rose, mm. who, you know, like I said, I grew, grew up in this area. She actually lived a few blocks away from this mural. I got commissioned to do this mural through the Fertile Ground Project, um, which, is a, which was a project that was about food access in Mississippi. Um, the whole project was centered around um, food access and like how we need access and just how we can sustain in the pandemic um, and just live a healthier lifestyle and just thinking about food or good food uh, or good memories of food. It makes me think of my grandmother um, and my family, uh, which is like, you know, that way of living is non-existent in my life now. Mm. Um, as far as fellowshipping and gathering with family to eat. I think, like, once my grandmother passed, you know, the family kind of just, you know, each went into their own corners. Uh, but that's the best memory for me, you know, all the family in the kitchen cooking, having a good time. And I was always in the kitchen trying to soak up some game from my grandmother or learn how to do something. Mm. Um, she was one of the best cooks I know without a recipe, just measurements using her hands. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I collected a lot of old photos from my family and different family members um, of us around food, and I came up with Mama's Rose Kitchen, um, which is a portrait of me, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and my aunt in mm. the kitchen. So this, this particular thing touches on a lot of things I want us to talk about because you are, in addition to being a visual artist, you're a curator, you've been a gallery owner, but also you're really a community leader. And I am just, I really wanna pick your brain about how you see art connecting communities. Because when you talk about something like you're painting about food, like you, you were commissioned as an artist to address food issues, that's, it's huge and it's, it's yes. amazing. And so I just wanna hear a little bit about your thoughts on the power of art in that way. I think art is is such an easy way to be vocal as an artist. Like I, I, I agree with Nina Simone when she says, how can you be an artist and not um, reflect on what's going on, like the times that you're in. It's very hard to do that. Um, and I think that art is is an easy resource to, to start a conversation. And I think that that's what we were trying to do with Fertile Ground. Not to say that we have all the solutions or how, you know, how to go about things, but it's like, 
let's start the conversation. The more conversation that's being had, you know, mm. the more resources and stuff that we know we have, because that that be the problem most of the time in communities. We don't know, and I think that you know, within my community, we all try to just share the knowledge, share resources, and connect that back to the businesses and the actual residents that's living there. And I think that we, you know, we've done a pretty good job of that, and still working on it. Mm. When you reference your community, which you are a huge part of, tell us about. Tell us about that and where it is and and what happens there and how you're connected. Okay, yeah, um, I'm currently in an area called Midtown. Um, it's not that far from here either. It's always been an arts district, always. And like, you know, it's nothing that I, that I started. Um, but uh, when I came there, I was a part of starting the Business Association of Midtown and I played many roles throughout that organization, um, treasurer, president, and so on. But the organization role was to promote creative businesses as well as um, bridging the gap with the community. Mm-hmm. So we host different art markets and community-driven events to bridge the gap. Um, and throughout that, we have... Um, discover so many uh, artists and businesses throughout the community um, or even brought people to the community by having these events. So, you know, it's just, it's just very necessary to be engaged in the community that mm. you serve. Can you tell us about one or however many you want of those events, just an example of what it looked like? Yeah, um, one of the events that I actually created is called MidFest, mm. which is a street festival style um, arts music and food Um, and the whole idea is to have artists um, selling their wear um, as well as the community coming down and you know engaging with the artists and all of this is like we we put this event on for the community and the artists for free um, throughout our membership dues and everything with the organization um, but it's our way of like giving back to the community and also, you know, showing the community who's all here. Like here are all, all the businesses, mm-hmm. and you know it's great because these people actually reach out to us and and different people in the community if they need help with anything. You know, the business association, also with the neighborhood association. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we've just able been able to really turn things around in Midtown. I would say. Okay, so we have a lot of a lot of things happening here. So you're working with folks in Midtown, with artists, with businesses, and at some point you became a gallery owner. So how did that happen? Yes, th- that that's a long story, but I will try to make it short. In 2015, um, me and some friends um, purchased a building. Um, we were staying in this building, creating in this building, and um, the owners wanted to sell it. And the people who were coming in did not want to do what we were doing. So we knew we had to make a quick decision. <laughs> and we decided to go forward with purchasing the building, which just gives us live workspaces um, throughout the building. And with that decision, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Tyler Tadlock, who's also a neighbor in the building, we always talked about art and he actually went to art school um he's very knowledgeable and his his one of his big things is that there's so many good artists that come out of mississippi but feel like 
they cannot stay here. Like, where would they show their art? What would they do with it? Um, and our whole goal was like, how do we get people to stay here? And after purchasing the building, it was like, well, we kind of have a space. You know, what could we do? Um, it was like, let's just try it. Like, let's see if we can put this together. So me and him just put it on our backs. Like, we created this space, cleaned it out, put walls up, lights, got people on board, actually created a, a advisory board to help us with this. And we did about two shows every year up until now. And it's like I said, it's just an artist-run space. And more than anything, like to me, like and is it's, it's and gallery. Um, but to me, it's like, it's we call it and school, you know, me and Tyler, because I learned so much mm. just throughout this process. Um, it's not just like what I like. But, you know, it's so many things to go into when you're picking art. And we always just want to let an artist install to the space. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever you feel, you know, like, here's the space. What can you do with the space? Because I feel like as artists, we we never get that opportunity to fill a space like that. You know, you can get be a part of a group show or something like that here, but it's it's very seldom where someone's like, here's a building, here's a space, fill it up, and we're gonna bring people out. So that that was our main goal, just to show experimental art mm-hmm. in the city, and also show people art that you don't normally see here. Since we both left Mississippi and came back, we felt like, okay, we we know what's out there. How do we bring that here? Um, and I think that we've been able to create those experiences with people. Like, I'm very proud of us, just the amount of shows that we've done um, with no backing, no funding, no fundraiser, no nothing. And our one of our, our last big shows was a Kara Walker piece. Mm. Um, the, the work isn't going unnoticed, and that feels great. That's incredible. So with all of that, I have kind of a two-part question. So one how does Mississippi uh, like kind of seep into your art as an artist and or <laughs> you can because I think these are going to blend together what what would you say because I think every city every place has their own style of art what is art in Mississippi and I know it's a million different things but what is your view of art in Mississippi and how does this place you know show up in your work or influence your work I think Mississippi is a melting pot of creatives Hmm. like we've always it's always been this way you know like I said but people leave here you know and go off and forget they were from here (laughs) when their grandmother and everybody else was born here but like I, I like to think that you know I'm not choosing Mississippi that Mississippi chose me and it, it, it affects my art in a lot of ways, just being a black queer woman from the South, trying to do art. You know, I've realized over these years, like, that's a radical thing to do in itself, mm-hmm. you know, and especially trying to do it full time on, on that type of level. You know, I think that it's very, I think it's very necessary to see myself and to see people like myself doing these things because that's what's gonna, you know, encourage the the next generation, um, you know, to, to, to really get out in front of it and, and be who they wanna be, you know, with their art and their creativity. Uh, it's kinda hard to do that when you feel like you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's uh, very necessary. And I think that we're all doing it here. Like, just throughout 
this year alone, like all the different art markets or shows and stuff I've been to, there's so many creatives and, and, and they're getting the the light that they need to, to go forward. So I think that, you know, being from here is, is it's not a bad thing at all. If anything, it makes you stronger and make and gives you that will to want to continue your your dreams, your goals. I think that it's best to start at home. Um, that support at home is, is unlike any other. Mm. I know it would have took me a much longer road if I was somewhere else. So I am thankful for that. This is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and I'm talking with Jackson Artist and my colleague at the Arts Commission, our systems administrator, Adrian Dominic. So, Adrian, you've been you've been a gallery owner at the Ann Gallery, and you're a curator. And you create all, other places all over town. What is it? What it? I guess I, I kind of want to know what it takes like, to be a curator that's different than being a visual artist yourself. But also, what do you look for when you curate work? Okay, I think as a curator, I'm still learning myself as a curator. Um, you know, but I, I do go with what feels right to me, like what I like. Um, I try to use a little of that, but I'm also just trying to compose a complete body of work, mm. like trying to tell a story with that complete body of work. So some pieces might not work. Doesn't mean that it's not a great piece. Right. But, you know, I just want a a cohesive piece of work um, that not only explains who the artist is, but also their... their uh, their theme for that show, you know, their artist statement for that show. Um, I want to make sure that it all makes sense. Mm. So that's what I'm looking for, just a complete body of work when I'm working with an artist. Do you have anything on the horizon that we should be looking for as a curator or just hopes and dreams about things to come? I'm I'm hoping to curate something starting next year. Gotcha. I'm spending the rest of this year trying to focus on my own art. Mm. Um, so... I, I put that to the back um, so starting the top of next year I can focus on another artist um, helping them reach that goal uh, but for now I, I want to put that back into myself mm. that's that is actually a perfect thought about what I want to talk about next because you know being an artist 
it does take a lot of work, obviously. And I know yes. you go you go home from one job and 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 you you clock make, back in. Yeah, clock back in to make art. Um, what would you tell an aspiring artist? Was the what's the most important thing to know if you're embarking on that journey of being an artist? My advice is to keep going. And I know that sounds like nothing. But just do that thing. Hmm. Just do that thing. Like without thinking about, well, I don't have the best camera. I don't have a space. I don't have a studio. Or I don't have, you know, we can sit and think about all the things we don't have to stop us from doing that thing. But if you're just doing it, Mm -hmm. like just doing it with the limited resources you have, like it only makes you stronger in that thing. And when you're able to afford that camera, those paint brushes, that expensive paint, whatever it is, you know, you can then elevate yourself. But I like to tell people to just do that thing. That's how you are a working artist Mm -hmm. and you work at that thing. You work at it so much that it's just a habit. It's not even something that you're thinking about doing um, when you're doing it. Um, and, and, and trust yourself, you know, and being an artist, you can have imposter syndrome and you could think that you, you could really overthink this thing. And I think that if you just stay true to yourself and do what you want to do, not trying to appease a certain group of people or anything like that, just do your art and the people who, um, it's meant for, it's meant to touch, it will, you mm. just have to do that thing. You know, something you said in there about, you know, working with what you have and using the resources you have, um, I want to touch on in a very literal sense with your work, because I know that something that that you mentioned on your website with talking with about your work is that you use a variety of spaces. And I love this. You said you want to redefine blank spaces. Does that, how does that play into kind of the working with the resources you have and the creativity of that? I just want to hear your take on that. Uh, It plays a big part into it. Um, When I first started painting, um, I had a very limited supply of um, materials. And so I would paint on anything, Mm -hmm. Um, mainly cardboard. I had a connect on cardboard, these very large sheets of cardboard, and I would go buy 50 cents paints Hmm. and I would create works on these cardboards. And I realized then that, you know, you just have to do that thing. It doesn't matter what you're putting it on. You know, uh, some of my favorite artists take stuff out the trash and and create stuff with Mm -hmm. it. Amazing work. Like, and just take your trash, put it all together and create something from it. And, you know, so that that lets you know that these people just wanted to create because they needed to create, you know. And, you know, and that's how I always want to be about it. Like, I want to feel the need to create um, no matter the cost, no matter what. Um, I want to be able to pull out some stuff and, and start creating. And I think that I think that that's important. Can you feel the difference like in yourself, like just like mind, body, spirit, when you haven't been creating as much? Yes. Yes, um, because painting is therapeutic for me. Um, I like to call my process like a cleaning up process because it's all about clean lines and 
you know, smooth lines. Like I'm trying to clean it up as much as possible. Um, and, and, and that's very therapeutic for me. So I want to touch on your style a little bit more while you're talking about the clean lines. What else would you say defines your style as a visual artist? What do we, what can we look for in an Adrian Dominic piece? Um, I think that I'm, I'm most known for my like pop art ish portraits. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I look at them like they're like these to, to me, it's just shapes. Mm. Um, I'm putting shapes down on this canvas and I'm trying to create features mm. in these people's faces. Um, you know, and I do that in like a monochromatic way with my colors, um, but also trying to bring some pop out of it. I, I really am. I think that that's what makes my pieces like I'm like the pop of color that I bring to it. Um, and, and that's just been influenced, you know, by a lot of some of my favorite artists, uh, you know, Andy Warhol, Basquiat, Keith Haring, mm-hmm. um, Nina Chanel. I, I, I love people who can bring that color to life. Um, and yeah, that, that plays a big, a big part of my process. I'm curious when you're painting, like, let's just say, um, I know you have a Lauren Hill piece. Um, if you're painting Lauren Hill, are you listening to her the whole time? Like, is it like going in your ears as it's coming out your hands? Yes, I am. (laughs) At least the start of it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's normally how I start a piece. If I'm reading a book on that person Mm -hmm. or whichever my subject is, I like to be submerged into that subject. You know, I want to, you know, live a day in their life if I could, uh, you know, so I try to watch documentaries, Mm -hmm listening to music or live footage anything like that because that also helps me um it helps with what it's going to look like you know what i hear is what i'm trying to put on the canvas Mm -hmm. so i feel like i hear in i hear in color you know oh i love so when i'm listening to lauren hill or a particular song of lauren hill or i i you know it's, it's what that song is making me feel it's what colors i see and I'm trying to put that on canvas. Like, I, I really go about it that way. I'm not just picking a random color. It's about what I'm taking from what I'm listening to or watching. Do you feel like when you've completed a piece and you've spent this just intense amount of time and detail, like, studying not only their their music, but quite literally their face, yeah. do you feel like you know them in a way that you didn't before you started? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time, like, um, most of the time I feel like I know the artist already Mm. (laughs) or the subject already. But, you know, sometimes I don't and I have to get lost in their music or get lost into them. Um, And I love that, love that process. Um, And I also love that about um, displaying the art, you know. I love when people will come up to a piece and they don't even know who it is, but they want to know. That's what I'm trying to convey with my art. Like, I, I want you to not know who it is and guess or want to know. I want to listen mm-hmm. to this artist. Like, that, you know. That's cool. The feeling that they're getting from that art is making them feel like, I want to know more. And that's what I'm trying to convey. You know you're putting, you know a piece has some a lot of, like, love and feelings and all of the things put into it when somebody wants to know yeah. more about it from you know a painting that's amazing yeah 
Um, nothing like that feeling. Oh, no, that's so cool. Another thing I read on your website says that one of your goals with your work, or maybe the biggest goal of your work, to rediscover black culture through the lens of contemporary art. What does that mean to you? That means that I want black people in all spaces, Mm. just to be honest. Um, I feel that, you know, from my experience, I feel like black people, people, some black artists work doesn't get seen as contemporary artwork. Um, And so I'm just interested in pushing that, Mm. you know. Um, Because you can see art that looks like it's black art or black culture art, and it's not from a black artist, you know. And I've seen that a lot in museums and stuff. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's that's what that means to me. Like, I want to push that of putting um, what I feel to be black culture in the forefront in a contemporary space. And that's what Anne Gallery is all about as well. Hmm. You know, like if... You don't want to give me a space, I'll make a space. I'll create a space. That space could be anywhere. That's, that has nothing to do with money or anything. That You can create a space and invite people to that space. It could be online. Mm. It could be in the physical. But just the idea of putting black culture to the forefront. Mm. I can't, Like I said, I can't believe we're, we're out of time. But I do want to leave people with a place to find your art. If people want to follow you as an artist, where do they go? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Adrian Dumnick. Um, my website is adriandumnick.art. You can shop at shop.adriandumnick.com to find any of my artwork or pieces. And I'll be around town, you know. I'm working on some stuff now that's secret. <laughs> um, but when it's more fleshed out, you know, I will let you guys know but just follow me on those channels and you can see what's happening with me next thanks for listening to this mpb think radio podcast mpb depends on support from listeners so if you can please contribute today at mpbonline.org do you drive a vehicle then you'll find autocorrect helpful especially on coach charlie's tip of the week Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app.